Savior he is. Well, I hope you can believe that. There's so many things that in the scripture we want people to believe, but if I can just convince people that Jesus loves them, he'll take care of the rest. It's so hard, isn't it, sometimes? We think, man, oh, I've just messed up and I, I am such a place right now. There's no way that this king could love me, but he does. Because your feelings will never be able to erase his word, what it says about him. And the scripture tells us plainly, though, even the old kid's song says that Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. I'm glad today that if I ever doubted, just I can open this book and just read over and over where God proves his love time and time again. I'm thankful for him today. Amen. Amen. Again, so great to see every one of you. You just look lovely. You just look so good. And I know kids, believe me, I know what's waiting. I know all the kids are probably like, Pastor, hurry up. I know you want to get out there and hunt those, those eggs and do all that stuff, and we're going to get to that, but but we're going to learn about something a lot more important than eggs, okay? Uh, we're going to, yeah, we're going to take just a moment, okay? So all the, kid, all the kids say amen. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, one scripture before you're seated, Isaiah 53 and 5. I've already heard some from Isaiah 53 this morning. Uh, impossible to not go to this uh, scripture, I think, this week at some point prophet writing about the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Very important that we see our. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. It was on him. Everything that was wrong in our life was on Him. Everything that needed fixing in our life was on Him. And with His stripes, we are healed. So just a few moments, I want to just preach with this thought in mind in the form of a question. Why would He do that? Why would He do that? Let's pray together for the lesson. Lord, thank you again for your presence that we feel already. I thank you for the miracles that have been done in this place through prayer. And Lord, now I thank you for your word and your promise. Pray, God, that you would help us to hear what the Spirit would say. and Let us be better. Let us be changed. Let us be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand clap of praise before you're seated. He's worthy of all the glory and honor. Worthy of all the glory and honor today. Thank God. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. So good to see you. For me, and maybe you feel the same, this, this week has been flooded, of course, if you've been on social media, uh, but just or the news, whatever you watch. You, you know, even around the world this week, what people refer to as Holy Week, they begin to reflect and focus on the last hours and days of Jesus and what he did and the sacrifice he made. And um, for me, I always 
come back to the question, why? You know, it's, uh, I don't question God's sovereignty. I've said this often before. I don't always have to know why. I just have to know that there is a why, that there is a reason that God did something. But, but when it comes to me personally, sometimes I do go, why, Lord? Why didn't you just let me go ahead and leave this world? Or why didn't you just let me go ahead? I was in such a shape. I was headed, uh, well, I was headed to the jail or the grave one. So you know, why, why did you intervene? Why would you take me out of the hopeless situation I was in and, and begin to mold me and shape me? Why, why did I find myself on your potter's wheel to be molded and shaped by you? Because to me, I saw nothing of value. I saw nothing that would uh, spark the interest. You know, I, I like to look at old cars, and I can look at old cars that look like there's nothing left in them and think, man, I could do this and do that and do that, and for long I'll have it on the road and it'll be running. A lot of people say, I would send it to the scrap metal place and just get the money. But that's the difference sometimes, you know, is, is we see different things. And I may have not saw anything of value in myself, but he did. And uh, he, he saw that there was something in me that he could use for his glory, not mine. Uh, there would be people that would have their lives touched because of what he did in me, that I would be able to tell someone, look, you're not without hope. Uh, you may feel that way, but you're not. I can tell you why. I can tell you why. I've been on the other side of the fence. I've lived in the other part of life. I've been in the darkness, but thank God that he calls us into his marvelous light. And, and uh Often I still find myself on those days when I feel like I do nothing of value. I go back to the question, why? Why, God, would you do that? Why uh, would you be wounded for my transgressions? Why were you bruised for my iniquity? Why did you take chastisement for me? Why did you do that for me? Jesus said in Luke 19 and 10 that the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. I can't understand the people that Jesus looks for. I can't understand why he looks for them. But man, he makes something great out of them. You may feel like today that I don't know why God would bother with me, but he does bother. I don't know why God would care about me, but he does care. I don't know why God would be interested. He is interested. And uh, you may think, well, I don't think he can do anything. Yes, he can. The Bible says he builds the waste places. And uh, he can take what was ruined and desolate and planted and make it like the Garden of Eden. God can bring you back into the original plan uh, for us. He can get you back to a place where things are right again in your life. But it's hard for us to accept because maybe you know, we're so sure that what we were was unfixable. What was wrong with us, the things, the baggage we have was too much, God, this is just too much for you to deal with, but it's not. The psalmist said in 139 and 16, he said, Lord, your eyes did see my substance. The substance is what you're made of. You saw my substance and yet being unperfect. I was not perfect. I was not complete. The Bible says we're only complete in him. So when I was outside of you, God, you saw me. You saw everything that I did. Why, God, would you do and suffer for me? Why? And it's not why haven't you done something. It's 
but why did you do that something that I'm asking? I know that you'll save other people. I know other people are worth, maybe worthy of it, but I'm not. That's the way we look at ourselves. We've never been able to hide from God. You can't go high enough or low enough or far enough to get away from God. He has always seen you and He has observed you when you were imperfect. He's seen you everywhere you have been. That's scary, isn't it? We like to hide when we're doing things we know we shouldn't do. We like, uh, the, the scripture says men love darkness because their deeds were wicked. They can hide in the dark, but you can't hide from God. He has watched us and he has known what we were. He knows what we are. He knows where we're headed. He has seen every mistake, every slip up, every mess you've made. He has seen every intentional rebellion. He has heard every word that you spoke and every thought you have had. He's seen everywhere you have been. He has seen everything you have watched. He has seen everything you have listened to. He has seen everything you have put on or in your body. He knows it all. He's seen every conversation that you had. Whether you thought it was in secret or not, he has heard it. There is not one single thing that he doesn't know about you, and yet he still was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was on him, and with his stripes we are healed. Jesus died for us, knowing every single imperfect thing about you and I. Why? Lord, would you do that? When I read Scripture, I see this great king, this Savior. I see him in the Scripture talking to people whose lives are a wreck. I see in John 4 a woman who had had five husbands and now the one she was with was not her husband. I see him go to her regardless of who she was, what her nationality was, what was going on in her life, and he offered her living water. And you know what she testified about when she got back to the city? She said, come meet a man that told me everything I've ever done. This has got to be the Christ. And it was. She said, and that's what you need to tell people about Jesus. Look, he knows everything about me, but you need to come see him anyway. He knows everything about you, but you need to come see him anyway because he's the Christ. In other words, he's the one that can fix it. He's the one that can make it better. He's the one that can change you. Yes, the Holy One, the Lamb of God, slain before the foundation of the world, Son of God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father, all the things that he is, all that he is, that, that God, come see him. I see Jesus in the Scripture healing all manners of sickness. I see him laying hands on lepers that nobody will have anything to do with. Casting out devils, giving hope to those that uh, have been rejected and wrote off by the rest of the world. People that uh, other people just turn their nose up at. I see Jesus going to them. I see a woman, we talked about this Wednesday night, that they called, it said, in the very act of adultery. They drag her before Jesus and with people accusing her, ready to stone her, make her an example. Listen, to them she was nothing more than a pawn in their scheme. She was expendable to them. She was the, the, the means to an end for them. But to him, she was precious. And when he got through speaking, those of you without sin cast the first stone. 
when the sound of the last rock hitting the ground was over and he looks up and says, where are your accusers? All she hears is the sweet voice of Jesus saying, neither do I condemn thee, go thy way and sin no more. He spent his time around thieves and drunkards, prostitutes, devil-possessed people, sick people, even dead people because he always goes where uh, people have a need. He's always reaching out to help. He said this in Matthew chapter 9, verses 11 through 13. The Pharisees saw what Jesus was doing. They said, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard them talking about who he's hanging out with, he said, they that be whole don't need a physician, but they that are sick. He's not just talking about natural sickness in your body, but a soul sickness, a sin sickness, uh, the sickness that people of the world don't want nothing to do with. He said, that's the people I'm coming to find. He said, but go and learn what that means. I'll have mercy and not sacrifice. I'm not called to come to call the righteous, but I came to call the sinner to repentance. Thank God that Jesus still receives sinners. I'm so glad that when I make a mistake, he don't write me off. I'm so glad that I can remember today that the greatest act of love and mercy ever uh, given to mankind, him going up Calvary's hill and being nailed to that cross, breathing his last breath so that I could live. Why would you do that? Why? Why? When I think about places that I spent my younger years, where I, some places where I woke up some morning, some places where I didn't even remember where I was, when I think about all that I did, when I think about that, he could have just said, forget this guy. He's not worth it, but he didn't. Why, God, did you do that? You saw me. You knew me. You knew what I was doing, what I was up to. I wasn't praying. I wasn't worshiping. I wasn't even thinking about you, God, and yet he was thinking about me. And that's the thing today. That's, that's why it's such a great act of love because it wasn't about uh, me and what I had done. It was what he had done and what he wanted to do. Why, God, would you do that? Well, in Proverbs 10 and 12, it tells me that love covers all sin. Peter said this in 1 Peter 4 and 8, that charity or love covers a multitude of sin. But God, I get that. The church loves each other. You love church people. He's just telling us right there in that table, no, I love everybody. I'm sitting with the sick because I love them. I'm sitting with the, the drunks and the thieves and the liars and the murderers because I love them. There's not anybody that Jesus does not love. If you wind up in hell, you won't go unloved. Hello. <laughs> he didn't love them people. Oh, he did. And he does. There ain't nobody that he don't love. He loves us all. And that's what we find in Romans chapter 5. Paul wrote to the church, uh, verse 6, he said, when we were without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Why? Scarcely for a righteous man will one die, and yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commends his love to us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not when I got it all together, 
Not when I had the walk down and the shout down and the, all this. No, no, no. Before I knew him, when I was without strength, when I could do nothing to fix my situation, when I had nowhere else to turn, when I wasn't even trying to turn to him, he said, I'm going to go and hang on that cross. He spoke of his death when he said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I will draw all men unto me. That's why the scripture tells us in another place that the grace of God that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men. No one will leave this life without passing by Calvary. The day that he was on that cross, there were people that were his family, some of his disciples. There were people that hated him, people that didn't know him. There were thieves on both sides. One railed on him, the other one repented and acknowledged that he was the Lord. All manner of people were drawn to that cross that day. Roman soldiers, uh, guards and prison keepers, uh, executioners, all there at his feet. He said, I will draw the worst. And that's why from there he said, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't realize what they're doing. I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to shed my blood for them anyway. They've cursed me. They've mocked me. They, they've laughed at me. They've embarrassed me, humiliated me. They've hung me here, but yet I'm still going to do it because I love them. We were not righteous. We were not good, but we have a God who loves us, and he died so you and I could be saved. So the simple answer, the quick answer to the question, why is this? Because he loves you. Jeremiah said in 31 and 3, the Lord appeared to me of old saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. The word uh, everlasting there means time out of mind. In other words, time that you can't comprehend or eternity. And just like you cannot comprehend eternity, you cannot comprehend with this mind the love of God. You can't fully understand uh, how he would do that, why he would do that, but you just need to be thankful that he did do that. He said, you don't have to understand why, just receive it. You ever had anybody walk up and say, hey, I want to hand you something. Just slip you a, I don't know, $100 bill. And you're like, oh, wait, I, why are you doing this? Quit asking why and just take it. I'm, I'm giving it to you because I felt impressed to do it. I felt, you ever had anybody just give you something out of the blue, send you something? You didn't have to do that. No, I didn't have to, but I did. It's, is it a blessing to you? Well, sure it is. It, it is. It's $100. It's a blessing. It don't go as far as it used to go, but $100. So, yeah, it, it is a blessing. Then just take it. I didn't have to, but I did. Jesus didn't have to, but he did. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to endure that suffering. He did not, but he did. Because he realized this is the only way out for them. And somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to make a way so that these people can be saved. And I love them. That's what he was. That's who he is. We have always been known by him. And most importantly, we have always been loved by him. John 15 and 13 says, Greater love has no man than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. He loved us, and he loves us, and he has a plan for us. That's why he was wounded for your transgressions. That's why he was bruised for your iniquity. No, you didn't earn it. You wasn't worthy of it. That's why it's mercy. That's why it's grace, because he wanted to give it to us. He wanted to save us. And so what Jesus went through, listen, it was not punishment or, pay, or payment for anything that he had ever done himself. The Bible teaches us clearly that he was tempted in all points as we were, yet without sin. 
He didn't have sin in his life. So he really didn't have to do it. That makes it even more incredible that he didn't have to do that. It should have been us. But he said, you can't endure it. And you're not the Lamb of God, so it would make a difference. I've got to do it. The suffering of Jesus was corrective. It was for us. He loved us and was willing to suffer to correct us and perfect us. One of the most beautiful statements about the cross uh, I read, uh, A.W. Tozer wrote. He said, brethren, that is the glory of the cross. That is the glory of the kind of sacrifice that was for so long in the heart of God. That is the glory of the kind of atonement that allows a repentant sinner to come into peaceful and grace, gracious fellowship with his God and creator. It began in his suffering and it ended in our healing. It began in his wounds and it ended in our purification. It began in his bruises and it ended in our cleansing. God has always had a plan for us. Oh, yeah, you ought to just thank him for a moment. I'm so thankful that God's always had a plan. No matter where you have been or what you were doing or where you are now, there's still a plan for you. 1 Samuel 2 and 8, uh, Hannah made these statements when she was praising God. She said, he raises the poor out of the dust, lifts up the beggar from the dunghill. You know what that is, don't you? Okay. To set them among princes. So he takes them out of dust. He takes them out of filth. And he puts them in a palace. He makes them to inherit. If you're going to inherit something, your family. He said, I'm going to make you like family and give you an inheritance. You're going to be my children. So he takes the worst of us, the most unlikely of candidates. The, you know, we, we would pick, used to do it in school, when you was picking teams for something. You're going to pick the fastest, the strongest, the best, most athletic, all these things. He was picking the scrubs, those that ride the bench, those that limped. He, he didn't care. Give me all them, them rejects, and I'm going to make something out of them. And that's what he does. He takes us out of the worst places and sets us up uh, with an inheritance to inherit the throne of glory. And well, why would he do that? Because he can, number one, and he loves us. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he has set the world upon them. God decides, nobody else. It's he that died for you, not anybody else. So he knows what we were. He knows where we were, but he also knows where he wants us to be. I'm not going to be very much longer. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 11, Paul begins to, to make a list of things that will not inherit the kingdom of God. He says, don't you know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't be deceived. Don't think you're going to make the cut just because you're good enough. He said, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, abusers of themselves of mankind, not thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners, none of these shall inherit the kingdom of God. Woo! Not much hope for us then, is there? Oh, such were some of you. Were. What happened? And you are washed, but you are sanctified but you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I'm telling you, when we wouldn't fit for heaven, God got us ready for heaven. 
He washed us. He sanctified us. He justified us. I'm thankful to be under that name. There ain't another name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'm thankful today to know that as bad as I like to imagine I was, even as bad as I know I really was, that the blood of Jesus still cleanses us from all sin. Honey, you ain't so bad that God can't fix it. You ain't so broke that God can't put it back together. God still works miracles. God still doing signs and wonders in people's lives. God is still washing people clean. I'm thankful. Oh, I'm thankful for the blood of Jesus. It's got to be him. In Isaiah 45 and 22, the Lord said, Look unto me and be ye saved all ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. There's no other way out of this except through him. He said in another place in Isaiah, come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be white as snow. Uh, why? Why? You think it's a waste of time, but God knows what you can be. You, th you think that I'd have been better off just... No, no, no. God knows what you... You've got a testimony. You've got a story to tell. How you overcame. How you came through. How God brought you out. And, and somebody else is... You know, there's somebody on this planet just like you. Oh, ain't nobody like me. Oh, yeah. They are. There's somebody that's... And maybe even a little worse than what you think you were. And they think, there's no hope for me. But you could tell them. But there is hope. Come meet a man that told me all I ever did. But he offered me living water anyway. Come meet a man that knew everything about me, my darkest, deepest fears and secrets, and he knew every skeleton in my closet, and yet still he offered me this living water. Look unto me and be saved. Why? Well, because we needed saving. <laughs> because he's God, and most of all because... He loves us. Honey, you can come to the music. So he died for us. But he also rose from the dead. Paul said to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians 15 and 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead. That sacrifice wouldn't have meant very much if he had not risen from the dead. Paul said, if the dead are not risen, if they rise not, then Christ is not risen. You're still dead in your sins and trespasses. My preaching's in vain. Your faith is in vain. Nothing, nothing means anything if he doesn't rise from the dead. I thought about that. I thought about Paul saying in another place in Philippians that I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. And I thought about the last time that anybody saw Jesus before he went in the tomb. What a sight. The Bible says he was beaten worse than any person had ever been beaten. It said he was marred. He was unrecognizable. His flesh is just hanging off his body in ribbons. He's bruised. He's thorns still stuck in his head. I mean, he's nails in his hands, a big wound in his side where they stabbed him. This is the last image they have of him. 
Jesus said, they're going to destroy this temple. And they did. Everything that that wounding and bruising for us, all that sin that went on him, that went into that, it, it caused that. He went to that cross and he suffered and he was wounded and he bled. And, and, and not just the physical, but the emotional humiliation, the shame of fighting that human side of his mind where he's like, all I did for these people and look what they're doing to me. I just love them and look what they're doing to me. But he finally takes his last breath. They take him down from the cross. They, they, they take him to a tomb. They wrap him in what blood's left in his body is seeping through the bandages. I mean, his, his body's destroyed. I mean, the bandages are practically holding him together. And they lay him in that tomb and they roll that stone over him and it's nice and dark for three days and three nights. But when they come to the tomb on Sunday morning, the stone is rolled away and he's not there. As a matter of fact, when they see him, they don't even recognize him because of what that work has already done. Because they came expecting to find a dead, destroyed body. But he was alive. He's risen, just as he said. And he left every wound in that tomb. He left all that destruction in the dark. He said, when I come out of this tomb, I'm not coming out looking like I did when I went in. It's going to be different. He kept the scars in his hands and feet. He kept that wound in his side for a testimony. But when he popped through that wall and said, hey, peace be unto you, he wasn't bloody. There wasn't no crown of thorns. He wasn't gasping for breath. He was whole. I'm telling you, that's what the resurrection is. He called us out of darkness, just like he called to Lazarus in the darkness. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus comes out of that. He left all that behind. He walked out in his grave clothes. He said, loose him and let him go. He can't wear that out here. I've done a work. When, when you repent, you die. You die to this life. When you're baptized, the scripture says, Romans 6, we're buried with him in baptism. You're going into the tomb. But when you're raised, it says you're raised to walk in the newness of life. You leave all of it in the tomb. God will give you the ability to leave everything that has destroyed you, everything that's come against you, to leave it behind. You don't have to look back. You don't have to worry about it anymore. God did away with it. He never had to worry about thorns sticking him anymore. He didn't worry about nobody else beating him anymore. That's left behind. That's what that resurrection is. It's the power to leave it all behind. I tell you, if somebody could hear that voice calling into that darkness today, he died for you. Let's stand together this morning. The Lord gave his life for you. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquity. He did it for you and I. He loves us. But we're not just the walking wounded. Where we're, well, I know he loves me, but 
I'll never get over this. He said, I make all things new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are made new. The Bible says that we should repent and believe the gospel and obey the gospel. You know what the gospel is? It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that's why we find in Acts 2.38, Peter stands and preaches a message to the whole world. Repent. In other words, that's the death. And be baptized. That's the burial. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This Bible says, if the same Spirit that raised Him up dwell inside of you, it's going to also raise you up. That's that new life that He was talking about. I'm thankful today that the Lord can give us a new life. Amen? Praise God. Let's just, she's going to be playing and singing. I just invite you to the altar today. What better day to come and say, Lord, I need something healed. I need something fixed. I need something delivered. What better day to come and say, God, I know it doesn't have to be this way. Won't you come pray for a few minutes today? He loves you, gave his life for you. God's able today.
Aren't you thankful for the mercy of God today? If you'll let him, he'll rescue you. He don't just go fishing and grabbing and yanking you and pulling you against your will. He don't do that. But he'll stretch that hand out and all you got to do is reach out. He'll pull you right out. I'm thankful for him today. Before we dismiss, like I mentioned earlier, uh, my dear friend Carla's here today and I asked her, did she mind if we had prayer for her, she would come up, her son, her husband, welcome all to come up. We're going to anoint her and pray for her, her son Preston. And uh, He's very concerned about his mother and with any of us would be. But I'm telling you, I just, I have hope. Where, Brother Josh, come here. Brother Josh shouldn't be here today. This young man, they said over four years ago that he would be gone. And my microphone is going crazy. But he's still here and doing. God's able. So we believe that today. So I want you to stretch your hands this way. A couple of the ladies would come and stand behind her and pray, my daughter, and and um, let's don't let's don't smother them. Let's, but let's let's just let's stretch our hands this way and in faith let's believe the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, God. I believe Precious right Lord, now, right now. God, we come before you believing because you're able not to heal. Lord, you said it. These signs would follow them that believe. That we would lay hands on the sick and they would recover. And the prayer of faith would save the sick. Because we know you will do it, God. You took stripes to heal. Heal Carla today in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I rebuke the spirit of cancer right now. In the name of Jesus. Touch Preston today, God. Comfort his heart and his mind today. Encourage him. Glory to God. In the name of Jesus. <laughs> Woo. Mm, that's it. Woo. That's it, Carla. That's the Spirit of the Lord. That's the Spirit of the Lord. Heal by your mighty power, God. Woo! Thank you for it, Jesus. Thank you for it today. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Bless this family. Touch this family today, God, in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Well, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Yeah. Praise the Lord. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. It's going to be better. You guys. And so glad you're here, brother. God bless you. You just wait. Because it's so she calls me and tells me that that stuff's gone. I'm going to make her come back and tell all y'all. <laughs> it's going to happen in Jesus' name. It's going to happen in Jesus' name.
Don't forget about prayer tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is prodigal prayer. So let's remember that tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. Be here for, for prayer. Uh, let's see. Y'all think it's all right to have an Easter egg hunt now? If y'all, y'all don't want to do that, do you? Okay. Parents, please take your kids out. They'll get them ready for the egg hunt. Don't knock nobody over. There's plenty of eggs to go around.